Joining me now in studio, he is the architect of DKPittsburghSports.com. He is Serbian reactionary Dejan Kovacevic. Dejan, who's been the better quarterback so far this year, Ben Roethlisberger or Lamar Jackson, and which one would you rather have in a big game right now? Uh, ben and Ben. How about that? Uh, and if that sounds homerish, so be it. Uh, ben can do things out there that Lamar can't. Of course, Lamar can do some things uh, that Ben can't. I will take Ben in a modern NFL uh, and his ability to use his weapons. Now, remember, th- these are two very different offenses in general, never mind the quarterbacks. The Ravens are built to run. And that doesn't mean that they can't pass. It doesn't mean that they don't. But Ben's offense, when it's at its best, and we saw that in the first half in Nashville, is spreading the ball around to all his different weapons, keeping you guessing, using that Matt Canada misdirection, uh, relying on James Conner to make sure that you're staying soft in the middle. Uh, the Steelers can do a lot of different things offensively. I'll take their offense. Yeah, and as far as the comparison between Ben and Lamar goes, I think the things Ben can do that mm-hmm. Lamar can't help you win games more than the things Lamar can do that Ben can't. Like you referred to the way the NFL is now. Yeah. And, and I've always maintained that the running quarterback, those yardage he gets on the ground, that's good in the regular season against inferior opponents. I don't know how many times it really beats a good team. Well, last year when the Steelers went at the Ravens and nearly beat them with uh, backup quarterbacks, they did so in large part because they came up with a game plan to shut down Lamar Jackson, and they did. Oh, right. He had three picks and five sacks. He did almost nothing. It he was did his almost nothing. Worst game of the year statistically. And, it was his worst game of the year in any way and, you could describe. And guess who brazenly used that as a blueprint in the playoffs? Mike Rabel. Yes. That's why the, the Tennessee Titans went in there. I had Steelers tell me this themselves. They watched themselves on the field that day when the Titans beat the Ravens because they used the exact same plan. Uh, the reason they could do that is because the Titans had a defensive front. They had guys that can get after you. The Steelers have that now better than they did last year when they faced Baltimore. One thing that we saw in the Tennessee game, and this was what I'd most been well, hoping but to let see. Me, let me jump in. They don't have Devin Bush that they had in they, that game they, last year. No, and that's it, a factor. It is. It is. And so is Minka not playing particularly well. But – what they were able to do in Tennessee that has me encouraged about Baltimore is that they collapsed from all sides. Bud and TJ came in from the sides. Their thinking was, we're either going to get Ryan Tannehill or we're going to get Derrick Henry. We don't care which one. We're coming after you. And they were able to do that very effectively because both Bud and TJ are really good run stoppers. Neither of them gets enough credit for that aspect of their game. They'll pull, They'll... They'll contain well, but, him. Not but Bud's other... greatest game at Tennessee, but I, I agree with what you're saying uh, tactically. Uh, I just wonder what they should do with Spillane because, you know, Spillane made himself immortal for a couple weeks anyway with that big hit on Henry. <laughs> but uh, I just can't play him against Lamar Jackson. I have to get an extra DB in there. I have to get Sutton in there. I've said from the very beginning that Robert Spillane was going to earn his starting job in giant Seinfeldian quotes here, I can say on the radio, because he had been excelling on special teams. I've also said from the beginning that Ulysses Gilbert is going to end up being that linebacker. Uh, Gilbert did get onto the field a lot against Tennessee. Uh, but Well, I'd still rather have the DB. Got... I'd rather have the DB out there. Well, you might, though. Instead of instead of, instead of of Gilbert or uh, Spillane. You know who played a really good game Sunday that absolutely nobody talked about? Terrell Edmonds. 
He was very good. Had well, that's that's my defense. point. I, I would put Sutton on mm-hmm. and move either Sutton or Edmonds into the box. He'll wrap and tackle when he's closer. He has something of a linebacker mentality to begin with. We we ride him because he's not all that great at center field, but he's never going to be. But he's really good when he's closer to the line of scrimmage. Cam Sutton's back. Another thing I'd never heard anybody mention as it related to Sunday was that the Steelers played without Mike Hilton, who's only been there and still is their leading tackler. Well, right, but that still doesn't. Um, but it's to, what you're talking about, Mark. It's, well, no, 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 it's no. But, 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 but Hilton's Hilton on the Hilton, field. Hilton's the nickel. Sutton's the dime. I want Hilton's also your wild card well, chasing the quarterback. Well, he's blitzing you know? the quarterback. I, I don't know if he's a spy. But at some point, you no, need to spy Lamar Jackson. Uh, Not every play. Yeah, no, no, I hear that because you when, have to have Jackson looking out for when that. When Ryan Shazier was playing, he would do some of that. With Devin Bush, could have been some of that. And no, you don't necessarily have that. But we've also and, and seen Edmonds will do some of that, even if Spillane plays. He can. We, one of the things that we've seen the the Steelers coaching staff do this year is they'll take a specific player mark off their roster and have them do something really unusual. Kind of what we saw with Jalen Samuels lining up multiple times at wingback last week. Like what? Where was that? We even forgot he was on the roster. Uh, we saw the big block that was thrown by Henry Mondo uh, coming again right off the practice squad where they find something really specific for that guy to do. I think that's why the Spillane play happened. They just said, Which, who's the one guy on this team who's nuts enough <laughs> to go make himself a human missile? And we don't care if he gets hurt either. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I still want them to play the extra DB. We'll see how that plays out. I now, hope they do too. I agree with you. I think this is a big test for the Steelers' O-line. Not that they haven't played very well, because they have, despite being banged up. But now against a pretty good pass rush, and, you know, I don't know how much Ngakwe in, in, in will play, but, you know, he's pretty good, too. they got Calais Campbell, who's this giant mountain of a man. Oh, yeah. I want to see how the O-line copes. I'm not saying they can't. I'm saying it's their biggest test to date, and they are still banged up. It is, and the way to do that, I think the way to go after them is to work to this offensive line's strengths to date, and that's been running the ball early. Uh, make those guys get back on their heels a little bit. Knock them back. Get your O-line confident. Uh, if you do that, you soften them up a little bit. Look, Ben's not getting touched, and that's in part because the offensive line's been good, but it's way more because he's getting rid of the ball in two-point-something seconds. Uh, he's he's got the quickest release right now in the National Football League statistically. Oh no no, he is responsible for the success of the O line this year even more than any of the O linemen. But these guys can if they can get through the Steelers can get through Baltimore's defensive front, their linebackers aren't going to stop you. This is where they're this is where they're soft. If you can get through that first level. And pick yourself up some first downs rushing, you know, some decent gains like that. The whole complexion of the game changes. We're talking today, John Kovacevic from DKPittsburghSports.com. He's brought to you by Walnut Grill, American Eatery and Bar. I should have mentioned Walnut Grill, too, in my list of top sit-down chain places to eat at. But we'll talk about that. Well, you uh, just did. I, I know. Well, okay. yeah, but I'm being paid to. I should have done it organically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I got to get to the baseball thing because oh, I was please. angry. Did baseball jump the shark for good last night, pulling yes. Blake Snell when Tampa did? That turns the game totally over to analytics, and it didn't work. Except for this. Here's the part that bugs me about this argument the most. The analytics themselves tell you not to do that. Well, right, because Mookie, Mookie Betts was like hitting 216 against lefties. 210. You're in the, you're in the range. 210 against lefties, and Blake Snell had 
had gone these hitters, these six, these three hitters who he was about to face had gone a combined 0 for six with six Ks. Well, to the, that the point. Connor the Connor argument would be that it was the third time through the order. Big deal. No, no, I agree, but I'm telling you what they would say. Third time, yeah, and but, did. but that's that's by picking and choosing an analytic. That's my point. Oh no, no question. See, okay. that's what I hate about so, baseball analytics. Okay. If you're going to observe analytics, observe all of them. Right. Okay, because if, if, if you truly adhere to concept of analytics. Objectivity. The very basis of analytics is. Is objectivity. Every single game, you should look at you know who, who the pitcher is in the lefty-righty, of course. And then arrange your lineup in descending order of OPS. Every game. What would that have, is the building block of analytics, OPS, and, and they right. don't even observe that. What would have taken a hit last night isn't analytics itself. It's the analytics culture. And that is, I'm sitting here in this dugout. I, Kevin Cash, am watching my starting pitcher old school that other team to death. He looked like he was going to stay out there all night. And he only threw 73 down. pitches. 73 pitches. And I, Kevin Cash, am sitting here on this analytically oriented team, and I have to show everybody how smart I this am. This is what we do. And I have to show everybody that this is the Rays being the Rays, and this is the reputation that we have. It wasn't good enough to just win Game 6 of the World Series and force a Game 7. No, no, no. We had to show everybody and, and, how and smart we are. To be fair, are. there was no guarantee they would hold the 1-0 lead, but Snell would have given their best bet. Uh, you would As witnessed so. by the fact that Anderson came on and they got a 2-1 to lead within two batters. Hey, by the way, what would your analytics have shown you about bringing Anderson in since he had been scored upon in each of his six previous appearances? Well, and the other thing to note about not going all the way with, with analytics, obviously the shift is done to the distraction and, and the entertainment value of the game uh, in order to efficiently defend. Well, but, well, no, let me finish. Uh, but if, you, if you're going to play analytics on defense, you can play it on offense too, which is hit the ball the opposite way. That's what analytics dictates, and they refuse to do it. Yeah, and uh, and eventually somebody will, though. And what ended up happening, that's that's how launch angle came about. Well, if they're throwing down in the zone, let's just change the launch angle of the bat, and all of a sudden everybody starts hitting home runs. Now all the pitchers well, are Well, and pitching, the ball's juiced. And the pitching is upstairs a little bit. And the pitchers are pitching upstairs. Uh, Rob Manfred has a lot of issues to clean up. One of but them, he, he, he won't clean any of them up. They, he, uh, he, the he, biggest problem for baseball, Dejon, is what, they don't think there's a problem. They don't think there's a problem because they're isolated in their handful of larger markets and think that everything is okay, in particular New York. Everything is okay because everybody in New York talks about baseball and likes baseball. Simple as that. Why do they do that? Because their teams spend a billion dollars. Well, is there any going back, or is this just baseball now with the shift, the three true outcomes, pitch con, all the stuff we hate? Um I think some of it can go back. I think some of it will boomerang. When the, when the commissioner keeps throwing out hints, and he did again this week uh, about wanting to look at the shifts, uh, you're going to have some kind of you're going to have some kind of action. It might not be at the big league level, but it could be in the minors. You know where they do those test things, like in the frontier league or whatever. Uh, if they see if they like what they see at those levels, you could see it work its way up. Does MLB understand, and, and your New York reference is well yeah. taken, because it's like that in a lot of sports day on, what's good for New York is good for the game. Or L.A. or whatever, but yeah. But does MLB understand how few people are watching? I mean, this World Series was a disaster oh, for TV do. ratings. But you know what they don't understand, Mark, is the why. They don't understand that they've taken markets like Cincinnati well, why and do they think this is and just dumped all over them. They think it's just this natural, well, look, all ratings are down for all sports, whatever. You know, the games are too long is at least something that they've acknowledged. 
But I don't hear them acknowledging anything as it relates to competitive balance or getting other markets involved. I want to get one quick Penguin note in, mm-hmm. as well as a uh, a cliched sports talk question, which we love on this program. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I, I keep seeing Jim Rutherford blame for everything that's gone wrong. And he's not perfect, but, you know, he's won two cups, and I think most of his trades have been good. Is the fan base ever going to understand? And I'm curious to see if, if you agree with me. I think the decline is in motion and can't be stopped and was always going to happen, just like Detroit, Chicago, and L.A., because you have aging stars with no movement causes that the club wouldn't want to trade anyway by way of a victory tour and selling tickets, and it can't be stopped. There's nothing a GM can do to fix the decline. I think it's organic, it started, and that's just what's going to happen. You can get a little lucky. Uh, you can get yourself, if you bring in young players, and, and he's done that through acquisitions. Who, well, yeah, the entry-level ex- contract who, thing, but but no, by no, the no, same no, token, no, they traded a lot of those picks to, to try to win the cups they did. I, I was referring more to the Marcus Pedersen types. Uh, if Jared McCann were to round out into a consistent player, a consistent scorer on the wings, um, those are John Marino. If you get lucky, and I understand there's more than luck that goes into finding those types of players, uh, you can rebuild. What you're not going to have, though, Mark, is the giant magic reset button of, hey, look, everyone, here's the next wave superstar, because the Penguins aren't in a position to well, draft this player. Well, to find not, not only that, too, they're not in the financial position with the cap. Like, you know what I saw a mm. million people say on mm. Twitter? And I know it's Twitter, and they're idiots. They should sign Taylor Hall. He'd take a cheap deal to come here. Yeah. Or or, or they should trade for Jack Eichel. Yeah. Well, why not do both? Well, that's just uh, hockey fans are ho- hockey fans get more into trade rumors than every but, other but, sport. But you know combined. what? In this time, they should be smarter and more grateful and understand. Yeah, although at the same time, no one really likes to look to the past, you know. And I, I think this team, this team that's coming up this year, is going to rely the fortunes of it and the future are going to rely a lot on what Kasperi Kapanen does for all the reasons we just mentioned. Okay, here's the cliched question. Here we go. Who is the most overrated athlete in Pittsburgh sports history? History? Yep. Oh, Bonds by a million miles. How can you say that? That's insane. Barry Bonds? Because there are people who suggest that he belongs in the top ten pirates of all time, and he's nothing He belongs the in the top one. How? He won two MVPs. Who else did? Hannes Wagner. How, there was the no MVP then. There was no, no MVP Hannes then. Wagner was the greatest shortstop oh, they, of all time. They used, they used railroad ties as bats. That was primitive baseball. Yeah, MVPs are votes, too. I, I, I would take Roberto Clemente over, over Bonds. Well, at least that's a reasonable argument. But to say he's the most overrated, how can a guy who won the, two what, MVPs what, be what overrated? What do in the playoffs here again? In three consecutive years? It's about the same as Bobby Bonilla did, who I think was more overrated. Right. What did Clemente do in his playoffs? Well, but DC, you've, you've stolen the question. I have. I didn't though. ask you who's better, Bonds or Clemente. I asked you who's the, o- the most that, overrated. Okay, but you just answered it for me because you just said Bonds is the Bonds is number one pirate. He's not. But again, that's a different discussion. Because, because I you, initiated a different discussion, you, and you, you fell for it. You count. The stuff that he did in San Francisco when he cheated. No, I don't. He won two MVPs here. Yeah, he did. I understand that. Here's who I think the most overrated guy is. Jerome Bettis. Oh. Who made the Hall of Fame uh, after having played almost all of his career in Pittsburgh. If Ben doesn't get that fumble. With a rushing average of under four, one of only two running backs in the Hall of Fame to do that. and He doesn't get in the Hall of Fame if Ben doesn't get that ball. He's Bill Buckner. I'm just saying. He's Bill Buckner. Right, it's so, all we think of him for. Like, I don't see how you say Barry Bonds when I could name a hundred more more overrated. Jason Kendall, 
Most overrated. Yeah, I could hear Penguins fans. I'm trying to think from a hockey perspective. I could hear Penguins fans saying Chris Letang because there's a lot of people, not, myself included. Yeah, there's a lot of people like myself included who very casually say if, that if he's you wanted, the best defenseman. If in you wanted to history. name an overrated guy from the last two cup yeah, yeah. games, you'd say Phil Kessel. That's not bad. Because he Although was, he was so good in the playoffs. In 16, he was. I'm sorry, Mark. That no, no, counts, no, no. He, was, he was good in both playoffs. But he was also their fourth and or fifth most important player. But he was so good. And you could argue the people that the presence act, of that line changed the whole dynamic of the You see, but you're, you're ignoring the definition of overrated. Overrated is where people like me and you can say that. No, Chris not people Latang like me and you. People like, people like the history. dopes listening. <laughs> That's who determines who and who isn't overrated. I'm not, I'm out of this conversation. <laughs> when the mic's on, you are. That's Dejan Kovacevic. It's time to ask Mark anything. 412-333-WXDX.